You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 202. So how do high achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Let me prepare you, my friend. Your brain may explode a little bit while listening to this episode, but it is going to be worth it. It's going to be so good. So first of all, I'm going to tell you exactly how to begin seeing your beliefs. Here's the thing. You're not going to want to do any of them. (laughs) Your brain is going to reject all of them immediately Your brain is going to say, I can't, I don't have time, I don't know how, and just about anything else to prevent you from seeing your beliefs. And that is okay. It's normal. Nothing has gone wrong. Our brain doesn't want us to see our beliefs. It's not because our brain is the enemy. It's not because it means us harm. It's actually trying to protect us in a weird way. It's because our beliefs make up our current life. Everything about us is determined by our beliefs. Everything we have, everything we don't have, all of it is determined by how we think and what we strongly believe. And if we see them for what they are, just thoughts that can be changed, then we may want to do something about it. We may want to change something and that challenges who we are right now. And that's scary to us. It feels uncertain. The problem I hear from lawyers is that they want to know the step-by-step how to solve their problems, but they can't see their beliefs clearly enough to take the steps they need to solve their problems. Their beliefs feel like concrete facts. We actually have to tear the concrete up in coaching work so we can set a new foundation for you to build on, and the tools I'm going to share with you today are going to help you rip up some of the concrete. I want you to think of your beliefs as the roots to a plant. You cannot see them, right? They're hidden by soil. We can only see the product of the beliefs. We can only see the flowers, the plant, right? We can only see the actions that we're taking and the results that we're getting. So we assume we need to start changing ourselves by cutting the plant up, right? taking out different actions and doing new things and all of this stuff, just doing, 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 but the plant keeps growing back. We can't understand why it doesn't go away, and it's because we haven't dug into the ground, loosened up the dirt, and pulled the plant out by the roots. So that's the first thing you're going to learn here, right? The tools to start seeing your beliefs and starting to loosen up the soil so you could start getting at the real problem, right? The real problem is just the beliefs, and the ability to see them. Second, in this episode, I'm going to give you lots of examples to make this belief work tangible to you. You're going to feel the difference between a thought and a belief by the end of this episode. Okay, One of the things that happens in thought work that I talk about here is that people believe that they need to just swap a thought, right? Like, between like, I hate my job and I love my job. Like I should just love my job, right? And if I just love my job, then I won't hate my job. (laughs) 
And it's like, no, you can't switch out thoughts like that. You've actually got to loosen up the soil. You've got to loosen up some of the supporting thoughts that are digging the the roots in really deep into the soil. And one of the examples I want to give you is my client, Nancy, who just went through a transformation that was flipping the scripts on a lot of the beliefs that she had, like really digging up the soil so she could make a big move in her business. So I want you to just kind of hear that and start to understand like this is a work of loosening up the beliefs, seeing the beliefs, loosening them up and starting to plant seeds. Okay, that's how we change, right? Like we see the current beliefs and then we just start planting seeds and we start giving them lots of love and care, lots of attention so that those seeds grow into the beliefs we want to have so that we can get the results that we want to have. Third, I'm going to give you a breakdown of the tools that I'm going to mention in the first part of this episode. Without the context in the middle, you're not going to have what you need to do them. So that's why that's going to go at the very end. All right, let's get into it. You ready? All right, so here are the tools that you can use to see your thoughts. I stress the word can because you don't need all of them. In fact, I'm only going to talk to you about three to four of them in depth because you won't use all of them and that's okay. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you specific help on what to do for each of these options, okay? So here they are. Journaling, right? You probably expected that one. Listening to what you say to people and how you say it. Observing your surroundings, Coaching, which is really like hiring someone to help you do all three of those things I just mentioned all in one. Meditation or quiet time without distraction. And I'm not even going to talk about this one because there's a lot of resistance around these activities and you don't need them to make the progress that you want. I think a lot of people think that and it's just not true. So I promise that I'm going to break down the how-to at the end and like show you how to start changing the thoughts that you don't want to keep, but first you need some context. So we hear all of this is important for our mental and emotional health, but it's more than that, okay? Not doing any of these things is allowing your brain to go off unsupervised. And our brain, when it's unsupervised, is like a puppy running around and getting into everything. You would not let a puppy go haywire in your house and let him chew up the furniture, But so many of us let our brain run haywire and then we find ourselves living in a house that's a total mess full of chewed up shoes and torn up paper everywhere and wondering what happened. And you've probably wanted to do one or more of the things that I just mentioned at some point, but your brain just won't let you do it. And it's because your brain is addicted, all of our brains are addicted to patterns The ability to follow patterns means predictable outcomes. Predictable outcomes means safety, and our brain is in the business of keeping us safe. So for example, maybe you find yourself using the same brand of toothpaste or the same airline over and over and over again. It feels easy. You know what to expect. It's your go-to every single time you go to the store or take a trip, and you may see something that looks good, but you know what? You don't use it because you don't 100% know what to expect. And it's so easy to just stick with what you got. Here's the problem. We don't upgrade our experience because we're making decisions based on our past experiences rather than basing them on what we want for our future experience. We don't change because our brain tells us we don't know what to expect and that not knowing what to expect is bad. 
Because not knowing what to expect, not knowing the pattern, could be life-threatening. That's the primal programming that we're working with here. It applies to choosing a new toothpaste just as much as it applies to choosing a new job, as much as it applies to having a difficult conversation with a partner. It's true that we don't know what to expect. We can only make guesses. We've never done it before, so of course we don't know all the details yet. You can't know the how until you've already achieved it. If you asked yourself now whether you could have 100% predicted the twists and turns your life took to get you where you are right now, you would say no. Only after you had your experience could you tell someone the how of it. But here's what the brain does. Your brain says, yes, my experience could be upgraded, but I'm safe here. It could be upgraded, but I'm not sure what will happen, so I'm going to keep with the pattern. That's the epitome of creating your life from your past and not intentionally creating it from your future. And if you create from the past, nothing new will ever happen. If you keep creating from past beliefs, you're going to keep repeating the results of your past beliefs. We might be forced to change something, right? We might be forced to change to another toothpaste when our favorite is out of stock, or we may be forced to choose a new airline because the airline doesn't go to the destination we want, and that might be the only time we change anything. If we change, it's because we have a new experience to think about, right? That new experience that we had may now feel more comfortable, but only because your new belief about the experience is helping you there. You have a new belief like, I like this, or it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And that belief is why now it feels more comfortable to have that new experience. So let's talk about the difference between a thought and a belief, A thought can be a belief. They're the same thing, but beliefs are more hardwired. Beliefs are thoughts that have been practiced so many times by the brain that they feel like facts. That's why we don't question them. In fact, we may not even see them. They are the roots hidden under the soil. So here's an example. Say this to yourself. I love my body. When you say it, how do you feel? Your answer will tell you If it is a belief, if you said to yourself, I love my body and you cringed or you felt like you came out of your skin a little bit, then it's just a thought you tried on. You don't believe it. Like thoughts, you can try them on just like clothes. And that's what we're doing here, right? You're just trying it on like a new outfit. What you experienced was cognitive dissonance. Your brain was trying to hold two opposing thoughts in it at the same time because you have another belief about yourself that may be something like, I don't love my body or I don't like my body. I love my body is a thought that does not feel true to you. Now, if you said, I love my body and you felt solid and grounded, like this was 100% true, then you have the belief that you love your body. All right, let's try another one. Say this to yourself. I'm an amazing attorney. How do you feel when you say that? Now, if you're cringing or uncomfortable, that's cognitive dissonance. It doesn't feel true to you because you don't believe it. If you feel comfortable saying that, then you believe it to be true that you are an amazing attorney. And I'm sure you are, no matter who you are listening, okay? But this is important to notice because we take action based on how we feel. 
Our actions get us our results. If we don't love our body, we won't treat it with love. If we don't think we're an amazing attorney, we won't take action like an amazing attorney would. So why do we believe some thoughts and not others? Because we've practiced some thoughts so much that we believe they're true. They've rooted into our consciousness, our subconsciousness. And we've been collecting evidence to support these beliefs all along the way, fortifying them, making them stronger and stronger so they feel like facts. The good news is our beliefs are optional. We can dig up the roots, examine them, and see if we want to keep them. Now to change them, we need to see what evidence we've collected to fortify the beliefs. We need to knock them down one by one, and that is going to weaken the belief that you have. Depending on the belief, this may take no time at all or more time than you would like. So let's use this body example again. I'm going to use myself as an example and not you. Don't worry. So, so when we're between zero and seven years old, our brain picks up the most from its environment. It's a little sponge. We're picking up all the subtle cues from our parents on what is okay to believe and not okay to believe, on what we should think is true and what we shouldn't think is true. We pick this up through how they behave towards us, the words they say to us, and the words they say to people around us. The beliefs we absorb are beliefs we carry with us into our adulthood unless we consciously question them and purposefully change them. So let's talk about the circumstances of what my body has gone through in the last decade or so, okay? I had a scar from a surgery 12 years ago. I gained 20 to 30 pounds during chemo. Yes, I gained weight during chemo. Don't ask me why. And I didn't fit my clothes for a while. I recently had a surgery that left two scars on my side. I weigh 10 more pounds than I did pre-COVID. Okay, those are all facts. These are all circumstances. But depending on what you believe about your body, you will think differently about these circumstances. So for me, I have always loved my body. I never really had any negative thoughts about it. Other things about my appearance, yes, but not my body. That's because early on in my life and consistently through my life, my brain has picked up on this because I was taught early on that I had a nice body. I've been told it over and over again. Take that for what it will, for what you will. It's a totally subjective thing here. I'm not like totally getting in on this with ego. I'm just giving you an example. So when my body started changing and going through things, when I started getting scars and when I started gaining weight, I didn't make it mean my body was suddenly changed and that it was weird or that it was bad. It was different, but I still loved my body. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. So I still don't think that, right? But I'm also conscious about what I allow myself to think. I am very conscious about the input that I get in my brain about my body. I don't read fashion magazines intentionally, so I don't pick up all the societal cues that tell me my body needs to look a certain way. When I did read those magazines, they created cognitive dissonance for me. It felt really icky. I noticed the thoughts that they were feeding me, but I didn't believe them because I had another belief that was stronger. And so I was like, no, I don't want this other belief in my head. This belief sucks. Same thing with social media. If I notice myself feeling icky about my appearance when I look at things, I don't follow them because I don't want that in my head. Because I believed that I loved my body, I never made the scars or the weight gain mean anything about me 
or anything, right? In fact, it was easier for me to do what needed to be done to feel fit, to feel really good and eat well because I had the belief that I love my body. Now, if someone didn't grow up getting positive feedback on their body, then they didn't create lots of evidence that could support the belief that they love their body. And that person might go through the same circumstances I did with the scars and the weight gain, and it may create depression because you might like look at those circumstances as supporting the belief that your body isn't something you can love. Good news is, is you can change that, but it takes digging up the roots, examining what thoughts were planted in the soil that support that belief and starting to plant new seeds. So when I'm with my clients, I help them do that, right? I ask them lots of questions. They start to loosen up the root when they start questioning like all of these things that are happening in their life, all of the thoughts that they have that are supporting like their beliefs. And then they start to see that their old beliefs are baloney and it's just old programming from childhood and they don't want to keep it. So it's sometimes it's very easy to discard. And then there are other thoughts that are dug in deep that take some time to loosen up and release. At the same time, we're cleaning up the soil, planting new seeds and creating new thoughts that can grow deep roots with practice, right? With attention, with care. All right, so let's go to a client example. My client, Nancy, who I've mentioned in the podcast before, was at a point in her practice that she wanted to grow it, and that meant she needed more help. But when her partners in the office found this out, right, like, or actually, how did this go down? So when her partners in the office that she shared told her they wanted to eliminate this assistant that they shared, her brain immediately told her that she could not hire an assistant for herself to grow her practice. Her brain gave her lots of reasons, right? I put reasons in quotation marks, right? So I want you to imagine a restored version of the Parthenon in Greece. It has strong columns supporting what was once an ornate and beautifully decorated ceiling. And think of Nancy's belief that she couldn't hire an assistant for her practice as that beautifully decorated ceiling. Each column supporting that ceiling was evidence that her brain collected supporting that belief, the ceiling that she'd made for herself. So each column was a thought like, I couldn't afford to have an assistant a year ago, so I probably can't afford it now. My partner said, I shouldn't have an assistant because it's not cost effective. I don't know if I'll make enough income to pay her. I don't know if I have enough work to give her to make it worth it. Right, so these thoughts were very easy to believe, right? Even the I don't knows, right? It's, It's not even a solid thing. It's just kind of vague, but it is just a thought that the brain has and it just accepts it 100% as if I don't know is something that can't be changed. So these thoughts were so easy to believe because they all supported that belief that she couldn't afford an assistant, but then we did some coaching. We knocked down the columns and we started helping top topple the ceiling that she'd created for herself. We questioned each thought to see if it was true or if her brain was just going along with it because it felt true. Turned out that every single thought she had was a lie her brain was telling her because it simply supported the belief that she couldn't afford it, right? We ran the numbers. It turned out that she made enough to pay her assistant and her assistant was gonna help her bring in more cash flow 
because Nancy could get more billables in. It also turned out that the partners she shared an office with were not making nearly as much money as she was, and they were stuck in a scarcity mentality. They didn't know how to grow their practices and instead were shrinking them to penny pinch their way to success. They were basically trying to cut coupons to help their practice, which is the opposite of like how you expand. So she discovered her belief was really just a bunch of BS. And once she could see her thoughts objectively, she could then make a decision that was in her best interest for her long-term plan. Our brain does not do this work on its own, my friend. It doesn't want to do this work because it's uncomfortable. Okay? So if you are distracted, come back to me. Okay? I want you to really hear this. Because these beliefs are the root of what is creating what you have right now. And so what I want to get into right now is the breakdown of the tools that I promised you. And each one of these tools works on the same thing. Building awareness of your thoughts. They show you where your brain spends the most time and energy. And when you see where your brain spends the most time and energy, then you can start questioning it. You can then decide to change it. And I'm going to give you some questions to start asking yourself so you can have some direction to go once you start noticing the beliefs that you have, okay? So let's start with journaling. When I work with my clients individually, I get more specific with techniques they can use to get the results that they're looking for. But if this is new to you, the only thing to know is this. Venting in your journal is fine, right? But after you've vented, read what you wrote. Pick out something that really bugs you. What's the thought you wrote down? Remember, a thought is an interpretation of a circumstance. A circumstance is something no one can argue about. So a circumstance would be an attorney said words. A thought would be that attorney was rude. And once you pick out the thought, ask yourself, is it true? Maybe you say yes, it's 100% true that that attorney was rude. Then ask yourself, What if it wasn't true? Like, what if you looked at the thought that you had in the light most, like the circumstance actually, that happened in the light most favorable to the other person, right? Play with it. Ask yourself these questions. If you're building your practice, ask yourself in your journal what you believe about your practice, what you believe about your clients, what you believe about yourself as an attorney, as a business person, Write all the thoughts down. Now, here's something that I see sometimes. It's like this willful ignorance of bad things in in our head, right? So like don't ignore the thoughts that you have that are filled with doubt and um, maybe anger or uh, disappointment. Don't ignore them. Don't wallpaper over these, right? Like we want to see everything, Now, our society has trained us that if we're not positive, then there's something wrong with us, right? But what we have to do is dig up all of the beliefs before we can make change, even the ones that may not be very pretty to us. All right, so second technique I want to share with you is listening to what you say and how you say it. So like when you talk to people, how do you talk to them? How do you feel when you talk to them? Just notice in daily conversation, what kind of words do you use? Do you find yourself complaining a lot? Do you find yourself like really just going all in on gossiping about a person? 
Do you find yourself saying how busy you are all the time? Like just start to notice what you're saying. And instead of taking these at face value, like beliefs that you might have, I want you to start questioning them, okay? So here's an example. So for instance, you might notice that you revert to a child when you talk to some people. You give in to whatever they want, right? You just say yes. You feel lousy after you talk to them or you feel guilty because you told yourself this time would be different. This time you were going to say no. Just notice it. Don't judge yourself for the interaction. You didn't do anything bad or wrong. This is just an opportunity now to ask yourself why you said yes when you wanted to say no. Ask yourself what you think would have happened if you talked to them the way that you wanted to. Ask your brain what the worst case scenario would have been if you said no. It's probably not as bad as your brain makes it out to be. So if we play with it and make our brain go to the worst case scenario, sometimes it loosens up the beliefs that we have that it's not possible to say no, that I should be saying yes to them. Like these are the things that you need to do in order to start loosening up that belief and start changing it. All right, the next tool I wanna talk to you about is observing your surroundings. You can get a lot of insight into what you believe by looking at what you have and what you don't have in your life. I had a client who wasn't getting the projects that she wanted to at her firm. And when I asked her why she believed that was, her brain had a lot of thoughts, right? Thoughts like, they don't like me or I'm not good enough. And what it really came down to is that she believed those things about herself. So she wasn't asking for the projects she wanted. And I asked her what evidence that she had that these beliefs were not true. And that question opened her up to remembering that, you know, they chose her for high profile projects, that they kept her on and promoted her, (laughs) that she was asked to lead projects. And she figured, like, she realized, like, she would not have been asked to do those things if they didn't like her or that her work wasn't good enough. And once she saw this, she could let go of the false beliefs her brain was holding on to and then take the actions that she needed to get the projects that she wanted, like asking to work on projects in practice areas that interested her and with attorneys she wanted to work with. But notice that because before she changed this, her beliefs prevented her from taking those actions because the thoughts, the beliefs felt so true. She believed that they didn't like her. She believed that her work wasn't good enough, that she wasn't good enough. But once she loosened up the beliefs and she saw them for what they were, they were just thoughts, and that those were not true, that in fact she had evidence that that was not true, then she could start taking action from new beliefs. Just recognize like this is the work, observing and making the shifts. So this is the work for you if this is how you want to do this, right? If you see that you don't have something that you want in your life, ask yourself why you think that is. Then ask yourself, is that even true? Even if your brain says yes, ask it for any scrap of evidence that it is not true, you're bound to come up with something. Like just start looking for it and you will find it. All right. 
And then the last thing that I want to talk to you about here is coaching, which is really having someone help you do all of these techniques we just talked about. And my job as a coach is not to tell you what to believe or what to want, is to show you what you believe now and how it's impacting your life. Then you get to decide if you want to keep those beliefs. If you don't, then I can show you how to plant seeds for new beliefs and cultivate them so you can create the impact you want in your life. I show you how to observe your thoughts on your own and give you the tools you need for what's going on specifically in your life. I do this by asking you lots and lots of questions. The quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. If we're not asking ourselves questions, we're letting our brain run on autopilot and we'll get what we've always had. We'll have that puppy running around tearing up the house and nobody wants that. So if you want to learn more about working with me, book a call with me. You can book a call at dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. This work is so important for us. It's so important because if we in any way feel pulled to change, pulled to do something different, that we have like a tug, right? I think I talked about that in the last podcast. If we have like a tug that says like, yes, there's something else out there for me and we're actively ignoring it, we're selling ourselves short. We're believing all of the old beliefs and we're making decisions for our life based on what's happened in the past, based on what we were taught from zero to seven about what we're capable of and what we should want, rather than reevaluating things. And this is something that I'm learning that I want to do is I want to continually reevaluate my life. I want to continually redecide what I have and what I enjoy in my life. And if you, you know, join me on Instagram, you'll see me kind of going through this process, you know, in stories. You can join me at dina.cataldo if if you're on Instagram. But it's just like this process of continually questioning what we believe. First of all, just seeing what we believe. And then questioning it. Because no matter how long you do this work, you're always going to see new thoughts. You're always going to see new beliefs and you're going to go in and you're going to question them and you're going to make shifts or not. But you're going to get a chance to redecide how you're living your life. And if you're into expansion and growth, like I know you are since you're listening, then this is the path. Like this is the way to expand. This is the way to start acting for your future rather than from your past. All right, my friend, I hope you have a wonderful week. I will talk to you soon. Bye.